Welcome to the Insights Podcast on the Acadian Broadcasting Network. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Don Mills. Well, Don, we had uh, Michelle Sims, the CEO of the Genesis from Memorial University, back on. We had her on back in May. We had her on again because there's been a flurry of information recently showing that the tech sector is surging on Newfoundland and Labrador, and I think she painted a good picture of what's going on. Well, it's really exciting, and I think it's encouraging for the uh, for the citizens of Newfoundland that uh, there's so much activity going on. It's visible, um, and uh, uh, I'm sure it's changing the optimism of the future uh, of uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. <clears throat> and like I, you know, Genesis has been around for a while, right? They've been around since the 1990s. They've been really at the heart of uh, economic development and startup, uh, the startup community for a long time. And, um, you know, they deserve a lot of credit for what they've been able to do. Uh, one of the things that uh, you and I like about what their program is about is they, they have a royalty program where uh, once a, one of their companies achieve $1 million in revenue, they, they get a 2% royalty for five years up to a maximum of $500,000, which they then in turn reinvest in the next group of companies. I, that's, the, that's the only accelerator uh, program of its kind, I think in Canada at least. Uh, and I think other accelerators and incubators should examine that uh, as, as a good practice. Yeah, I mean, one of the challenges you have, particularly in this region, is the sustainability of these incubators and accelerators. And most of them are 90% funded by government. And and there is a role for government, but I think you're right. There should also be a private market, a market for these services. And, and this royalty regime, it really is not overly onerous because it doesn't kick in until a million in sales. As you said, There's a, it's time limited, five years, and it's capped at 500,000. So even if you're Verifin, you know, you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to have to allocate a ton of money to to Genesis, and it's enough for them to then reinvest back into new new firms. So I think it is an innovative model uh, that others should look at. I, I was impressed by the importance of momentum. You know, it does seem to me that right now Newfoundland and Labrador has got momentum in the tech sector, and you're seeing it in the numbers, but also from Michelle and the examples she was using, it there does seem to be a, a, a real sense that that something's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah, and it's happening in a, in a number of sectors too. It, it's happening even in the oil and gas sector. It's ha- happening in the healthcare sector. You know, it, it, there's a it, it's permeating the whole economy in terms of its contribution. So that's really um, really uh, enc- encouraging. I think uh, the other thing that, that we're finding more and more is, as we talk to these accelerators and incubators is that. Startups are increasingly uh, made up of people from somewhere else, newcomers, immigrants. And um, we've talked about this before, but it deserves uh, reiterating that, uh, you know, we have a new level of entrepreneurism happening in this region because we finally have new blood coming into this region with new ideas, some risk, uh, you know, uh, ability to tolerate risk. And we're seeing that in, in the case of Genesis, 65% of their enterprise clients are newcomers. And I think that's really encouraging. And it should also uh, send a message to the general population is that, you know, immigrants create economic um, activity and, and growth. You know, they don't take away from it, they contribute it to it. 
Yeah, and I love the intersection of tech startups and the health sector. You know, she talked a lot about the importance of the health sector and something called Bounce Innovation, which has been an initiative to try and get more tech and, and startup activity from the healthcare sector. It's the largest industry, you know, in most of the region here, with the exception of Newfoundland, Labrador, and its oil and gas sector. But to try and find ways to see innovation occurring through through tech startups in healthcare, I think that's very exciting. And we're seeing it in Nova Scotia. We're seeing it in PEI. Some, to some extent in New Brunswick, and now it's it's clear it's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador, so it's nice to see that. Exactly. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, interesting companies that we have to have on our podcast <clears throat> uh, that are go- you know, going on in Newfoundland uh, currently. Certainly like to get somebody to verify and to talk about their success. In fact, they, did, they just achieved, uh, you know, 1,000 employees, uh, that's a big employer for Newfoundland with a population of just over 500,000. <laughs> so uh, we have to find a little bit more about what they are doing and, and several others that have come up in conversation with, uh, with Michelle. Sure. I think people don't understand the scale. That's equivalent to 26,000 jobs in Ontario. So, you know, yeah. 1,000 jobs in Newfoundland and Labrador, high-paying tech jobs is, is really, really impressive. She tells us that a decade ago they only had eight companies uh, right. working with Genesis and now it's up to 200. So something is happening. So I hope you enjoy our conversation with Michelle Sims, CEO of Genesis. Uh, we are pleased this week to have Michelle Sims, President and CEO of Genesis at M- Memorial University back with us on the Insights Podcast. Uh, how are you today, Michelle? Great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So before we get started with our questions, I, I wanted you to just give us a recap of Genesis, what your organization is, what it does for listeners that may not have heard the podcast back in May. So tell us about Genesis. How long has it been around? How many staff, you know, your governance model and so on? Yeah, happy to. Thanks so much. Um, Genesis exists to help build amazing technology companies. We've been around uh, since the late 90s. And uh, in that time, we've worked with well over a thousand entrepreneurs, all in the tech space. So uh, very exciting uh, and innovative ideas that they've been working on in artificial intelligence, machine learning, robotics, uh, um, lots of hardware companies, lots of software companies as well. So since we had you on in May, there's been a number of statistics that have come out that point to a a surge in tech-based activity in the province. I'll just give you a few examples. The real GDP contribution from information technology in Newfoundland and Labrador more than doubled between 2018 and 2022. No other province saw anywhere near that growth rate. The province has led the country for export revenue growth in the IT sector, um, the data analysis firm Entrovestor has seen a, a doubling of the number of life sciences startups in the past couple of years. Statistics Canada Business Counts data shows there was a 21 increase in the number of IT firms just in the last three years, the second fastest growth rate in the country among the 10 provinces. IT employment is up 46%. And even on research and development, Newfoundland and Labrador has rocketed now up the ranks and is now third in the country among the 10 provinces for R&D spending compared to ninth just a few years ago. So I guess the first general question for you, Michelle, is are you are you seeing this? Like what's going on? Is there something in the water over there? 
Well, we're certainly seeing it and feeling it. Uh, The tech sector in the province, probably since 2019 or 2020, has been unbossed. Um, The entrepreneurs uh, at the very early stage are starting more companies. We're seeing more and more startups than we've ever seen before. We're seeing the companies that graduated out of Genesis, you know, five, 10 years ago, scaling uh, rapidly and and hiring new people. Genoa just uh, last week announced that they secured an $80 million contract. Um, We've had companies like Misa, uh, Solus Power and others that have been doing extremely well uh, in in market. Some of them have been raising significant amounts of uh, of capital during that time as well as much as twenty seven, twenty eight million dollars in uh, in investment uh, injection rounds into their companies. And so, yes, there's been a lot going on, and I think you painted the picture very well of uh, of what we've been feeling at Genesis for sure. I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the research and development numbers because those were quite surprising. So I looked at it by sector, and it's not the oil and gas sector. I mean, the oil and gas sector is investing in research, but it's really the tech sector. So I guess the question for you is, you know, the IT industry itself has increased in-house research and development by about $55 million since 2017 in a small province. That's a huge amount of money. I guess the question is, is that, do you think that's just the Verifin effect or have has there been a broader focus on research and development in the IT sector in Newfoundland and Labrador? So I, I think that number didn't surprise me a great deal. Uh, when you think about it, it uh, marries very well with when the Ocean Supercluster uh, was established. And there are a number, a large number of Newfoundland and Labrador companies that secured um, funding from the Ocean Supercluster to run R&D projects in that time frame. Uh, many of them, you know, are more ocean tech, but lots of digital twinning and and lots of, uh, you know, land-based uh, R&D activity that uh, needed to take place in, in order to, uh, you know, meet the requirements of the ocean supercluster. And so um, the timing of, of that certainly marries very well. I think also that's at the point where Kraken really started to take off. Kraken was investing heavily, uh, probably still is investing heavily into R&D. Uh, in 2020 alone, they led a $20 million R&D project, uh, and that was just one project of, of you know, a lot of R&D initiatives that Kraken was doing. Uh, you also have companies like Avalon Holographics that is investing um you know, heavily into product development and research and uh, uh, in their uh, company. And uh, so those numbers really didn't surprise me. We have a lot of heavy hardware-based companies in uh, in the province that are investing heavily in uh, research and development at the moment. I suspect that trend to continue as well, by the way. Uh, Michelle, we talked last time a little bit about the impact of Genesis. Uh, maybe you can give us an update in terms of uh, how much capital has been have been raised by the company, the firms you have supported, and uh, and a little bit maybe about the revenue growth and job creation that that has uh, gone along with that. Yeah, so I suspect since the last time we chatted, our numbers are up considerably. Uh, right now, we're trending about seven hundred million in, in uh, private investment raised. Uh, by clients and graduates at Genesis. And uh, about 97% of that has come from outside of the province of of Newfoundland. Um, 
which is, you know, which is really interesting, but not at all surprising. Uh, there is a lot of capital in the province, but a lot of our entrepreneurs go, you know, go afar throughout Canada and the U.S. and sometimes Europe uh, to seek uh, investment. Uh, many of those companies also bring in about $650 million in annual recurring revenues. Uh, some of that, of course, is Verifin, uh, but not certainly not all of it. And between them, they have created uh, just over 2,500 jobs. So uh, Verifin uh, hit a big milestone yesterday where they hired their 1,000th employee. Uh, and between the other companies, they are uh, employing just over 1,500 employees. David and I have had a chance to talk to, I think, most of the accelerators and incubators across Atlantic Canada. The one thing that we that we recognize is that your royalty program that you set up is quite unique. And I and we talked about it last time, but I think it uh, it's worth uh, uh, telling us a little bit how that program works and how, why it's uh, so important. Absolutely. The royalty program was set up in uh, the late 90s when Genesis first established. I think the first two years we were running the incubator, we actually didn't have the royalty program. Um, but we got the idea from an incubator in, I think, Michigan that had been doing it. There are, to my knowledge, there are no other incubators in Canada that operate a royalty program, but there are several in the United States that do so. Um, and so our program uh, is such that once a company joins our enterprise program, which is our three-year incubator, we get them to sign a royalty agreement that states once they reach a million dollars in gross revenue, uh, we get 2% of their gross revenue annually for five years, and it caps out at 500000 So the, the pay, total payment to Genesis is capped at 500000 for us, that uh, really, we call it our pay it forward model. It allows us to recoup some of the expense of what we invest into the company. So every company, we invest $50,000 into them in their first two years. We give them office space at really highly discounted uh, rates that comes with cleaning and, and other support services. Uh, they get access to, you know, very highly discounted um coffee. We do very deep mentorship programs, peer support programs with the entrepreneurs. Uh, all of them get access to account management. Uh, many of them get access to travel supports or um, uh, export funding as, as well. Ex sorry, not export, expert uh, funding so that they can use that to hire um, an expert in their company if they're lacking a skill or or have a gap. Uh, and so, you know, for us, it works really well. Uh, we, we invest heavily in the companies in the th first three years that they're with us with the expectation that once they're successful, that they reinvest <coughs> that money back into Genesis. And so I think it I think it really helps because it keeps the money in the entrepreneur's hands uh, when they need it the most. And how many people are currently in your enter enterprise program, Michelle? There are 22 or 23 companies in the program at, at the moment. Um, in the other programs and, and the enterprise program combined, we're closing in on about 200 startups. So we run a co-working space uh, and we have two other programs called Evolution and Evolution Plus. And uh, so between all of those programs, uh, we're closing in on about 200 startups annually.
that go through those programs. So, so what's the buzz on the rock right now? Is you know, are people excited about what's happening? Do do they actually recognize what's happening? I guess. I think people very much recognize what's happening. Uh, There is a lot going on right now in Newfoundland and Labrador. So uh, TechNL is building a brand new innovation center um, uh, in the east end of St. John's. Verifin has just opened their second big building. Uh, We've got a lot of startups that are taking up a lot of space all over the city. Uh, There's a lot of discussion within the city of St. John's about a creative uh, district um, that marries, you know, sort of the technology uh, sector with the arts sector and and music sectors. And so there really is a vibe and a a buzz that's happening here uh, that, you know, in my 20 plus years of working in the tech space, I have not seen before. Um, I think, you know, we're we're really setting the foundation for uh, another 20 plus years of excitement and activity. I actually landed uh, on a plane last week. And when I went into the airport, one of the first First things that um, caught my attention was a very big billboard from the tech sector. So TechNL is now doing a big marketing campaign to encourage people to uh, think about the tech sector as an employment and career opportunity. So uh, there really is a lot happening. It's very exciting. Well, that comment uh, leads nicely into the next question, and that is a question about talent. Uh, Stats Canada is reporting a sharp increase in post-secondary education students in the IT-related courses, but the student level adjusted for population size is still the lowest in the country Mm -hmm. in Newfoundland, at least of the most recent years. So, you know, what has to happen to boost the the talent pipeline for, for the burgeoning tech sector? You know, I think there's a lot of work that's happening already in uh, in trying to build labor market development uh, for the technology sector. Um, I, I attribute a lot of it to the work that TechNL is doing for the government of Canada. So they've received funding about $27 million from ESDC that uh, supports about 13 post-secondary institutions. And the plan is to educate over 2,500 people for tech jobs. And so that's in everything from cybersecurity to software development and coding um, to even, you know, peripheral um, supports like uh, administrative and, and other types of supports for the tech sector. Um, there's a lot of work happening here right now, and it's ex- very, very exciting. I think there is still some shortages of, of talent in the tech sector, certainly in certain areas, um, but we're starting to see that gap close. Memorial University last year launched two new um, programs as well for the tech sector, uh, one in uh, one in data science and, and another one as well. So, you know, we're really starting to see the uh, post-secondary institutions and the tech sector really come together on the needs that uh, that the tech sector has. And so uh, we're very hopeful that five years from now, we will see, um, you know, maybe even double or triple the number of startups that we have in, uh, in Genesis and, and in the province. So I wanted to ask you about how immigrants might fit into that workforce across the country newcomers are 
accounting for a larger share of the tech workforce. Uh, it's less so in Atlantic Canada, but those numbers are ticking up, particularly with the addition of this postgraduate work permit, which allows the immigrant to stay and work uh, after they graduate from college or university. Are we seeing any of that right now in Newfoundland and Labrador? Are newcomers coming, studying at Memorial or at the colleges and then staying and, and working in the tech sector? Absolutely. Um, so Genesis runs the startup visa program for the province, um, which is a federal government program. And uh, we're seeing lots of interest from all over the world in that program. Entrepreneurs want to move here, uh, want to raise their families here. Uh, they want to stay here. We've actually just had our, one of our most recent entrepreneurs um, moved his family here from Nepal. Uh, and uh, he, you know, he is now a tenant in the uh, enterprise program uh, at Signal Hill and uh, and running and operating his company. Uh, actually, about 65% of the entrepreneurs at Genesis are, uh, are newcomer um, and or immigrant entrepreneurs. And so we're really seeing a big influx. We're also seeing, you know, Memorial University and the College of the North Atlantic are recruiting uh, international students and many of them graduating out and staying in the tech sector in the province, either through employment or uh, starting their own company. And so uh, that's really exciting to see for sure. So that's that's. Um, immigrants that are actually starting businesses. So, did you, did you say sixty-five percent uh, in in Genesis are? are That's nuclear? correct. Sixty-five percent of the entrepreneurs in our enterprise program right now are newcomer entrepreneurs. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. Really fantastic. Yeah, and many of them come with, you know, years of experience and some of them have, you know, started tech companies before, so they can contribute a lot to the other entrepreneurs and other founders in the uh, enterprise program as well, right? And how are you wooing them to Newfoundland and Labrador? What's the pitch? What's the value proposition? So we're focusing in heavily on, uh, on you know, the place. Newfoundland is a very special place. The province is... Um, you know, has a, a very unique geography. Um, being outside and, and an outdoor enthusiast, Newfoundland is, and Labrador is a great place to reside. Uh, we've had many people that have come for a visit and have said, you know, the East Coast Trail is a huge attraction, being able to, you know, uh, travel, travel through the province and it being such a big and very diverse province makes uh, it, it appealing to uh, newcomers as well. And I think also the opportunities that exist here. I mean, we have really big, successful technology companies that are resident here, and there are dozens of them. Uh, and so, you know, there there is a ton of opportunity in this province right now. Yeah. So success beget success. That's right. Absolutely. I wanted to add, turn a little bit to some specific programs offered by Genesis. You talk about the increase in newcomers in tech startups, that's really, really impressive. But what's going on to encourage more women uh, to get involved in the tech sector, particularly as, uh, as entrepreneurs? What are, you, what are you doing to encourage more women in tech? We actually run a fairly extensive diversity, equity, and inclusion program in partnership with the Fry Family Foundation, uh, with BDC, and with NASDAQ. And so uh, our women founders and our newcomer founders are provided with specialized training. Uh, we run, you know, different 
a variety of peer groups. We bring in uh, speakers and, and keynote speakers. We do sessions throughout the year where uh, many of these entrepreneurs will get access to, um, you know, you know men- mentorship and get access to support, but also will be able to see women like them who are leading uh, very successful technology companies like, you know, I, I point to uh, Gina Pecor with Genoa as an example. And so we've had people like Gina come and speak to our women entrepreneurs in the past. I just want to make a little editorial comment about the number of um, newcomers in your program. Uh, we're finding this across the region. Um, and and David and I have a theory <laughs> that uh, you know, we weren't as entrepreneurial as the rest of the country until we started having more immigrants. And we've, you know, we've missed out on the immigrant entrepreneurial spirit that they bring to a country. Of course, they're coming you know, with a sort of lower risk tolerance for, for getting into business. And it's, it's very encouraging, I think, for the future of this region. And I just want to make this comment for people listening is that immigrants are really uh, almost doubly important because they bring that entrepreneurial spirit, which we've been sadly lacking for decades in this region because we haven't had it. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really glad to, to find out that, you know, 65% are, are newcomers and it shows, you know, what they bring because they will create jobs, right? As a result of that, which will help grow the economy. So, you know, it's a really important point to make, I think. Let's switch topics. Uh, tell us about the newly renamed NASDAQ Genesis Microfund. What is it? Yeah, that uh, that's a really exciting program for us. So back in 2020, when uh, Verifin was acquired by NASDAQ, uh, NASDAQ gifted Genesis a million dollars and US, and they wanted that money to be used uh, in a fund to support uh, entrepreneurs in our program, in our incubation program. And so we have uh, set up a microfund program that gives entrepreneurs in the enterprise program access to up to $25,000 in their first year and up to $25,000 in their second year. So they get access to up to $50,000 in total in the first two years that they're with us. Um, And uh, that funding can be used for, you know, for for a whole host of things related to the business growth and development. Um, They have to get the the request approved by us first so that, you know, they're not they're not spending it uh, on things that are not related to growing the business. But uh, by and large, there's, you know, there's a a pretty wide swath of what the funds can be used for. And uh, it's awesome to see NASDAQ you know, committing to that kind of uh, support and committing to naming the the fund as well. Um, you know, having having our name alongside of the Nasdaq name certainly adds recognition and, and value for the for the work that we do. So it was it was a very exciting day to to be able to put that press release out there. Uh, so, uh, how do you maintain that fund over time? Because obviously, if you're if you're giving out cash. You know, do you have a plan to refurbish that fund over time? Yeah, so we've been we have been talking to partners about refurbishing the fund. I think we probably will get another couple of years out of it before we need to refurbish it. Um, We did have some funding from uh, from other donors and other supporters that we were able to put into it. So the pot is a little bit bigger than uh, 
than the the million that Nasdaq gave. But uh, yeah, we you know we've been talking to partners. Uh, we think that maybe in the next two years we will have to do that. So uh, it's it's coming. And you talked about being having access to a second sort of tranche of um, of money. But what happens after that for those for those companies who are making progress? Uh, you know, the subsequent rounds of funding is is challenging. Uh, we've had some discussions in our podcast about, you know, uh, capital availability of capital. Um, uh, you know, what's in place that to get them to the next stage of funding? So there is a lot of support for early stage entrepreneurs in Canada. Um, you know, there are, there are NRC programs to support the, the hiring of technical talent. Uh, there's a COA, there are provincial government programs, but then there's also a whole host of uh, investment programs. And so, you know, in Newfoundland and Labrador, as an example, you have Polaris, which is a provincial government uh, uh, led venture capital arm. Uh, you have Killick Capital, which is a family uh, run um, uh, office. You also have a whole number of uh, active angel investors in the community. Some of them are investing into Polaris and others are investing directly. We have Sandpiper for uh, for women entrepreneurs. We also have the Women's Equity Lab uh, that supports women entrepreneurs as well. And then, and then you know, many of our entrepreneurs go outside of the province looking for venture capital. Uh, BDC is also a huge supporter and uh, and many of those entrepreneurs are able to open doors from from local investors with Ontario investors or you know Silicon Valley or Boston New York investors. So um, I, I you know I really think the more entrepreneurs that we have that um, get investment and are successful, the more often that those investors will come back to this province looking for who else is in your, uh, you know, in your portfolio and, uh, and who else do you have that would be interested? We would, we would be interested in supporting. Uh, it, it sounds like uh, firms in Newfoundland and Labrador really aren't at a disadvantage then when it comes to capital. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I don't see them being at a disadvantage. Uh, you know, we in the last couple of years, probably last three or four years, I can probably count five or six or seven companies that raised in excess of twenty million dollars um, in in an investment round. Most of that, much of that money coming from outside of the province. Uh, so I don't view uh, any of our companies at being uh, at a disadvantage for sure. I wanted to mention that I was involved at the conference earlier this fall. It's called uh, the Association of uh, Corporate uh, Growth. I don't know if you're aware of that organization. You should get to know these guys, though. They um, they held their second annual uh, conference uh, in Halifax. The first one the previous year, I think they got between 30 and 40 people who were interested in what's going on in this region. This This year, they had 175. Wow, and they they drew they drew um, attendance from not just the region but uh, other parts of Canada and the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I I saw that as a really encouraging sign, Michelle, of interest in our region, and and we should uh, we should capitalize on that interest, obviously. And I want to make sure that uh, that you were aware of that group. Awesome, thank you very much. I will definitely look into them. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think this is really encouraging, Michelle. I, I've always said in Atlantic Canada, if you need $10,000 to start a business, there's 100 programs. If you need 50,000, there might be 50 programs. If you need 100,000, there might be 10. Mm-hmm. If you need 500,000, there might be one. And if you need a million or more, it's extremely difficult. Uh, but you're suggesting that you've seen a number of large you know, projects that have been able to secure venture capital or other sources of funding from outside the province. So that's really, really exciting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so we wanted to switch the conversation to, to where the tech startups are focusing in Newfoundland and Labrador. So I've always been curious about that. Like, why does, why does a Verifin uh, establish a Newfoundland? Is it just random? Is there some sort of impetus behind that? And the first sector I wanted to talk to you about was, was oceans. Of course, the ocean has been a huge driver of economic activity in Newfoundland and Labrador throughout the time there's been people living uh, on, in the province. Um, I know you're part of the Ocean Startup Project, uh, working mm-hmm. to increase the number of ocean tech startups in Atlantic Canada. I'd like to ask you about that. Is that having some success? You mentioned earlier that that might be driving quite a bit of the supercluster might be driving quite a bit of uh, research. But can you give us an update on this Ocean Startup Project, where you're at and how it's benefiting uh, Newfoundland and Labrador? Absolutely. The Ocean Startup Project has been a, a raging success for us. I think the uh, the six partners that got involved in that project, um, you know, had a had a vision for what we thought the Ocean Startup Project could uh, could achieve in the three, four, five years that you know um, we thought that we would have funding for. And it has far exceeded all of our expectations. So the project has gone from a pan-Atlantic to a pan-Canadian uh, project. They have supported entrepreneurs through challenge awards, uh, through university research projects. Uh, there is a lab-to-market oceans program that runs under that project at Memorial University. There is a CDL, uh, Creative Destruction Lab Oceans uh, project that runs uh, under that project through, um, uh, sorry, out of Halifax. Um, And we do a whole host of other community uh, facing and community engaging activities, uh, events and, and, uh, you know, hackathons and that sort of thing. And so it has far exceeded our expectations. Um, We actually have seen, you know, quite a number of entrepreneurs that have gone through those programs very early stage, and now they're in incubators across Canada. And so there, you know, many of those are going to go on to be very successful, which is really exciting. And, uh, you know, I think the Ocean Startup Project has even greater potential. We're starting to see it really get get legs and, you know, really have momentum. Uh, Don Grant, of course, as you may have had on here before, uh, was the executive director of the program for quite a number of years. He recently left us and we're in the process right now of announcing a new executive director. And so uh, that person is, uh, you know, is is already familiar with the project and will have great momentum uh, to take the project to, to the next plateau for sure. So we're really excited. So one of the questions I have about the uh, Canada's ocean super cluster is that it seems to be um, a little bit more narrowly focused than perhaps it needs to be. Now, I'll give you an example. We had uh, recently two podcasts uh, that uh, dealt with uh, the oceans. One was with uh, Peter Nicholson and uh, Catching the Wind report. I don't know if you've seen that. It was uh, put out by the public 
policy form that is uh, uh, suggesting that this region be, can become an a, a, a energy superpower by harnessing the winds offshore. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that we had recently was with um, Glenn Cook, CEO Cook, uh, Inc., um, the w- largest privately owned seafood company in the world, mm-hmm. who talked about the opportunities of uh, fish farming uh, in this region. You know, we're ideally suited to do a lot more than we have, but neither of those sort of ocean-related activities are, are anywhere that I see in the ocean supercluster. Is, mm-hmm. is that is that maybe a, something that should be reconsidered? You know, I think the ocean supercluster uh, was, was a startup in and of itself in 2020, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the project had to get off the ground. They had supporters in, in the community in Atlantic Canada who invested their own money into uh, supporting mm-hmm. the supercluster. And so uh, it took them time and effort and energy to try and figure out, you know, what the supercluster was going to be. Um, and I think they're they're now starting to uh, maybe reimagine a little. They have three or four years worth of data. Uh, mm-hmm. They have, I think, renewed funding, and so now is a great opportunity for the Ocean Supercluster Board, which you know I'm not connected to. But now I think it's a great opportunity for them to look at. Uh, the ocean sectors that they've been supporting. And if there's areas that's missing, uh, then, I, you know, then I think this is, this is the perfect time for them to, to jump into that. Yeah, we're going to, we're hopeful of having um, the CEO of the organization on in the, in the not too distant future. I will definitely ask her that question yeah, for sure. Great question for her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should read that report, by the way. That's, I will. Yes. I'll it's go a, it's, a, it's a very, form. Very exciting, um, uh, or better yet, listen to the podcast with Peter Nicholson. You'll get the summary really quickly. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I want to turn to the oil and gas industry. Because obviously, with COP28, uh, you know, it's, it's got a higher visibility today than it did a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot mm-hmm. of push to, you know, end fossil fuels. Uh, the industry is responding by saying, actually, we can become a lot cleaner uh, and less harmful to the environment. Um, I know that you're doing some work uh, in this sector. Can you tell us about the work that you're doing in this sector? Yeah, absolutely. We have a partnership with ExxonMobil and Hibernia Management Development Corporation that is uh, allowing our startups to gain access to uh, the needs of industry in oil and gas. And so, for example, uh, you know, if oil and gas is looking for new technologies, then they can come to a place like Genesis to say, um, and and CDL. So we we work in partnership with uh, with CDL as well on this project. Uh, to say what's out there, you know, I I have we have this need in oil and gas, and uh, and you know what is available to us in the startup community to help solve that problem. One of the things that we're talking a lot about these days is greening, uh, greening oil and gas. And, you know, I would say offshore Newfoundland and Labrador oil and gas is already some among some of the cleanest in the world. Uh, I don't have the numbers to, to back that up, but, you know, they're they're out there. Uh, we have we have very clean, uh, very clean oil and gas. And uh, there is an effort underway to make that even uh, even better. And so, you know, for us. 
the important thing is to uh, ensure that the companies that we have in Genesis are uh, as sustainable as possible. They are, you know, working on technologies that are as as clean and green as possible, and that they are uh, marrying that where they can with the oil and gas industry, right? And right. so, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it, I think it's one of those things that will evolve over time. I think we're all going to be really challenged to get rid of oil and gas in the, in the very near future. There, the world is dependent on it. Uh, whether we, you know, whether we like it or not, there, uh, for us to immediately switch over to electric would uh, basically bring down the entire grid. And so there will need to be a transition. Uh, there will need to be that, that period of time where, um, uh, where the infrastructure needs to bring itself up and, and prepare itself. Um, and I think that a lot of the opportunities lie in, the, in uh, startups' hands these days because they can bring solutions to the table that are new, that are creative, um, that maybe the utility companies and the oil and gas companies and energy companies aren't already thinking of. I just wanted to ask you a further question on that. Uh, one of the uh, one of the things that the oil and gas industry is trying to do is uh, is to figure out carbon capture mm -hmm. uh, as one of their big uh, solutions to the uh, to the problem. Are there any uh, initiatives going on in Newfoundland with regard to carbon capture? So the provincial government, uh, the, the premier announced a new carbon capture challenge um, recently, I think within the last six or eight months. Genesis hasn't been overly involved in it because we don't actually have a carbon any carbon capture companies in our portfolio right now. Uh, and even if we did have carbon capture companies in our portfolio, I believe the the uh, investment size that the province is looking at is too big for uh, a startup. And so the the amount that the company would have to invest would would be too enormous for uh, one of the early stage companies in Genesis. Uh, but clearly the province is, you know, is focused on it. And uh, I think the challenge is a great idea. And I think that, you know, they will get uptake and uh, they'll they'll definitely be able to uh, support some companies. But I think the companies will be far beyond the size of of Genesis companies. Yeah. Uh, so the the premier announced a six million dollar fund uh, mm -hmm. to support the CCUS Innovation Challenge. That's a pretty good start. Um, um, uh, you don't have any direct alignment with that program, though. Is that correct? We do not. No, no. I think the startups in our program would be. I, I, my understanding of the the provincial government program is that the entrepreneurs would have to invest fifty percent. And I think they'd have to invest like at least between 500,000 and a million. Um, and don't quote me on that. I think if you, mm -hmm. if people out there want to know more, they should go look up the numbers. But my quick search uh, over the last um, uh, month or so, uh, that's what I was led to believe. And so I think that would be uh, exceeding the uh, means of any of the companies in our current incubator program. We did a, an interesting uh, podcast with a company called Planet, Planetary Technologies. That uh, I don't know if you're aware of that company. It came out of Dalhousie mm -hmm. University, mm -hmm. and they've got a couple of uh, pilot projects going on, including one in the uh, Halifax Harbor to uh, capture and store uh, carbon in the ocean. And mm -hmm. um, so, although, so there are some things happening in this region. That's a 
that's a big idea. And uh, whether or not it's successful, at least they're at the uh, testing stage to see if it works. So mm -hmm. uh, hopefully we'll find more of those kinds of projects uh, in our region. Yeah, there's quite a bit of that going on, right? There's the, the carbon cure, the big uh, cement Right. Uh, so the, the company that's looking to store carbon and cement, and there's a company mm -hmm. out of Fredericton that's doing something interesting too. So Don will have to have some uh, some yeah, discussion about that. that in the near future. Uh, Michelle, I, I wanted to ask you about other sectors, maybe put you on the spot here. It wasn't part of our question list, but we talked about oil and gas. We talked about oceans. When you look at your portfolio, could you give us a sense of some of the other sectors that are being pursued by your startups? Is it is it is it quite random or are there specific sectors that seem to work mm -hmm. uh, in Newfoundland around life sciences or around IT that, that our listeners might be interested in? So interesting. Uh, interestingly, I have always found it to be quite diverse. Uh, you know, nobody would have ever expected Verifin, a financial uh, security company, to emerge out of Newfoundland. And I think even when even when they did emerge out of Newfoundland, there were a lot of people across the country going, "This can't be can't be right." <laughs> uh, what I what I will say is health tech uh, is is certainly a big driver. There are a lot of companies in our portfolio right now in the health tech space. Uh, of course, Bronwyn Bridges and and uh, you know her team at PragmaClin is one that stands out. Um, We've got others that are working on diabetes, uh, that are working on uh, finding, you know, uh, a way to pick up lung diseases earlier and breast breast cancers and 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 lung cancers earlier through the use of artificial intelligence. Um, and so, you know, while while it is quite random and there's lots of you know companies working on everything from, uh, you know clean technologies to uh, to oil and gas technologies, I would say health tech is probably our biggest portfolio group right now. Uh, and I would attribute that to the work of Bounce. Uh, Bounce Innovation is a small entity that operates in uh, in St. John's in partnership with TechNL uh, and the Faculty of Medicine at Memorial. And they've done an exceptional job of uh, cultivating uh, and supporting health tech companies. And uh, we're really starting to see the work that they've done come to fruition as a lot of these entrepreneurs start to emerge. Yeah, so that's that's where I'm trying to go with this, is that is that you talked earlier about the big players in the oil and gas sector wanting to engage the tech sector. Mm -hmm. Now you're talking about the health sector wanting to engage the tech sector or, or startup sector through mm -hmm. the faculty at Memorial uh, and so on. And that seems to be more traditional approaches, right? You've got something good going on in the province and you try to, to plug in the, the entrepreneurial sector. It's my understanding that from our, one of our previous interviews that Verifin, their first clients weren't even in Newfoundland and Labrador, which is kind of strange. No, their first client was down the street from them at the, okay, Newf the Newfoundland and Labrador Credit Union was okay, their first client. Good. Yeah, yeah. Super, super, super. Yeah. That's, thanks for clarifying that because, again, it's uh, that's the idea. You get good at your whatever you're trying to do in the province with clients locally, government mm -hmm. and non-government. Mm -hmm. And then once you're good enough, you take the product and the service, you know, nationally or internationally. So that's that's really great to hear that's going on. Yeah. I guess the last question for you today is, is there anything else going on that we've missed that you'd like to share with our listeners? 
You know, I think just the general sentiment that uh, Newfoundland and Labrador's technology sector startup community is burgeoning. Um, just to give you and, and to paint a little perspective, uh, 10 years ago, Genesis would have worked with eight paying clients in a year. Uh, this past year, we've closed in on about 200 paying clients in a year. Um, and so we're really seeing a skyrocketing of uh, entrepreneurial activity. And I would say that's true for not only Genesis, but it's true for all of the entrepreneurial supports in Newfoundland and Labrador. Bounce would feel the same way. Tech and L would feel the same way and, and others. Um, and, you know, I really, truly feel like we are just getting started and, and really on the cusp. Uh, I think Verifin brought a uh, the, the acquisition of Verifin brought a ton of exposure to our province uh, that we had not had before. I think we were always doing really great things and, and you know, we were chugging along and uh, and making great progress. But I think Verifin uh, really blew the, the, the doors open and uh, let everyone have a peek in to say, wow, like, you know, there is a lot going on there. Uh, our entrepreneurs are very connected. I think the the core values, I would say, of our startup community are connectedness, uh, that real focus on place and uh, and belonging, and also, uh, you know, really focus on focused on uh, trying to generate value for our province. And I think everybody in the startup community has has those those sentiments and and those values um, that they're working towards. So. It, can, I, it, can I just throw in another question? That it, it, sure. I, don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot again, but I, I'm just trying to wonder if there's, was there any kind of government role in the background here? Like, was there a strategy to develop the tech sector? Was the, has the government put money into some of these middle organizations such as Bounce, Innovation, and Tech NL, and yourselves to try and stimulate this? Like, was there any role for government to see this, this recent surge, or was that totally random? You know, back in uh, tw before the pandemic, 2018, 2019, the provincial government did do a fairly detailed tech sector strategy. Uh, and I would say that a lot of these things really started with that strategy. Um, the So the province has been a, a key contributor and a major player. I think the university has been a contributor. I believe that the uh, uh, Eastern Health, which is the, you know, the health, the regional health authority has been a, a key contributor and a key player. But I would also say that the entrepreneurs have probably played the biggest role. Uh, you know, I see pictures of entrepreneurs that, you know, go off, 10 of them go off on the East Coast Trail for a hike, or they take, you know, eight or nine people and, and go have dinner and, and they're strategizing and they're, uh, you know, trying to decide what other supports do we need and how do we advocate for that? And, you know, how do we encourage um, entities like Genesis and Bounce and Tech NL to do more and to do better? And so, you know, there is this underlying current of, uh, entrepreneurial uh, endeavors that's happening within the tech sector as well. And, you know, you that's what you want to see. You want your startup community to be driven by entrepreneurs. And I think that's really what's happening here. Well, it sounds like you've got a really exciting job, Michelle. Thank you. And we appreciate <laughs> most, you coming on. <laughs> we appreciate you coming on the Insights Podcast and, and updating our listeners on where you're at. I will follow very closely what's going on in Newfoundland and Labrador. It's exciting to see 
this project. We're very interested in what's going on with green hydrogen. There's some other really interesting things happening in the province as well, and we'll keep our Mm -hmm. listeners up to date on what's going on. So thank you so much, and we wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks, Michelle. You've been listening to the Insights Podcast from the Acadia Broadcasting Corporation. Follow the show and listen to past episodes on your favorite podcast platform, like Apple or Spotify. If you've enjoyed the show, why not recommend it to a friend? Don and David will be back next week with another deep dive into some key issues in Atlantic Canada.